Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I stressed for a while about leaving that comment in about what she asked couples. I really, I lost a little sleep over it, but I felt like you needed to hear it because it's fantastic. Because she really asked that question. If you know her, she asked that question a lot to people, and it's just really funny. And, and there are our 11 o'clock service, faithful, faithful members, godly people. Uh, it just reminds us, as all these other couples have, that it really is possible to have a long, fulfilling marriage. It really is possible to find joy in your marriage decade after decade after decade. And I just pray that if you hear these couples week in and week out, that you're you're just reminded of that truth. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin. Father, we just thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to open the truth of your word, Lord, to speak about real issues that affect us on a regular basis And Father, I pray we would just continue to understand and learn as we delve into Scripture every Sunday morning that there are answers to life's questions in your Word. Father, help us just to spend the time to study and to understand and to apply these truths. And then as we do that, Father, as we pray every Sunday, I pray that we be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to the Song of Songs, chapter 6. Song of Songs, chapter 6. We are continuing our study entitled, Passionate Pursuit. A study through the Song of Songs. And we've just kind of been walking through these passages week after week, trying to understand more about what the Lord says to us about marriage. Now, last week, we took some time off with Mission LaGrange. It was fantastic, and I'm just so encouraged by all the people that were involved. And, and just, just as a little side note, and just to encourage you and remind you, you don't have to wait until next summer to do local missions. We have ongoing opportunities, and we are going to continue to offer on a regular basis opportunities at our church for you to be involved. And so you can, if you want to, get on a plane and fly all the way around the world to witness about Christ, and we're going to continue to do that. Or you can also walk across the street and witness and love your neighbor in the name of Christ, neighbor in the name of Christ, and we're going to continue to do that as well. But a couple of weeks ago in our study, we saw this couple in the Song of Songs. Remember, they've been happily married, passionate about one another. We've seen this going on and on and on. And we saw last week after their marriage and after a period of time, they had some problems. And we talked about kind of two key components and issues to those problems, unmet expectations and poor communication. And we found both of those in the scripture. And I just encourage you, and you can go back and listen to the podcast if you'd like from a couple of weeks ago, but I just encourage you to, to kind of understand this idea of unmet expectations because uh, believe it or not, if you think it's true or not, you and your spouse both have expectations. Oftentimes those expectations are different, and if you don't communicate about those expectations, you probably will have problems because you just assume one thing's going to happen And he or she assumes something else is going to happen. And oftentimes that causes arguments. And so one of the things we talked about last week along those lines was the idea of communication. How so many couples struggle with poor communication. 
And when you, when you have unmet expectations and poor communication in a marriage, you're just kind of walking down a path that's going to lead to destruction. So let me just kind of encourage you again before we jump into new stuff this morning. Let me just encourage you again that if you take a hard look at your marriage and you begin to recognize that, yeah, we do have some unmet expectations. Yeah, that's causing some problems in our marriage. And yeah, our communication is starting to slip a little bit. But you would say something like this, but it's not bad enough yet to really do anything about it. Mine strong encouragement to you would be be proactive in your marriage not reactive let's not let's just kind of maybe make a commitment to each other let's not wait until you're sitting in my office five years from now on the verge of divorce beginning to deal with these issues because that's what usually happens let's do something about it now Let's be intentional about our communication. Let's be intentional about our expectations. Let's be intentional about the way we treat each other and about how our marriage grows because here's what we're going to see this morning. If we're not careful in our marriage, if we're not proactive instead of reactive, we're going to wake up one of these days in 5 or 10 or 15 or whatever the number is down the road And we're going to have problems in our marriage. And we're going to look back and we're going to say something like this. You know, our marriage has just kind of lost the fire that it used to have. And so we hear phrases like this from couples. I hear these on a regular basis. We've just grown apart. I hear that. Or we've just lost interest. Or we've just kind of fallen out of love. One writer said it like this. In too many marriages... Time seems to erode away slowly but surely. Communication, caring, affection, sensitivity, intimacy, and spontaneity. The marriage begins to revolve more around the children than around the two spouses. When the children leave home, the two then look at each other across the kitchen table and ask, Who are you? They've lost the core of what made them a couple in the first place. And here's the most scary part. Oftentimes this happens very slowly and without notice. Some of you are walking down that path right now. Some of you are in the very beginnings of that issue. Some of you are towards the end and you don't think your marriage can survive. But let me just remind you from the truth of God's word, God has a plan for your marriage. He wants you to find joy and fulfillment and intimacy within your marriage. That's true when you're a newlywed and it's true after you've been married for decades. The question is this, how can we keep that fire burning all the years of marriage? And how can we, if we've struggled in the past, rekindle that spark? And so this morning we're going to look at some very specific things in this text that will help us have a long-lasting, fulfilling marriage based, now watch this, not on what the world says, but what the Word of God says. So beginning this morning in Song of Songs, chapter 4, Chapter 6, verse 4, the man speaking to his wife. You're going to notice, those of you that have been with us through the entire series, and I'm going to point this out in a minute, you're going to notice some similarities over these few verses. Speaking to the woman, he says, You are as beautiful as Tirzah, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me, they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. 
Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is missing. Your t- and we're going to talk about that in just a second. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Sixty queens there may be, and eighty concubines, and virgins beyond number, but my dove, my perfect one, is unique. The only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her, the young women saw her and called her blessed, the queens and the concubines praised her. And then the friends jump in again. Remember, there's always a man speaking, a woman speaking, or the friends speaking. The friends say, who is this that appears like the dawn, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars in procession? You want to keep your marriage solid? You want to make your marriage last? You want to keep the fire burning year after year after year after year? Here's truth number one. Always work on deepening your love. Always work on deepening your love. And you could put something in parentheses if you wanted to. I say this a lot. But I would say in parentheses you need to put be intentional. Okay, here's, here's maybe a, a, a shocker to maybe younger couples or people that are not yet married. Good marriages don't happen on accident. Did you know that? They just don't. If you just think that you're going to get married and live happily ever after and never have to actually work on anything in your marriage, that you're never going to have to really be intentional about living with your spouse and working on things within that relationship, if you think it's just going to kind of happen on its own, you're wrong. And so I would say to you, you need to kind of constantly be in this thought process, constantly be in this this mindset of deepening our marriage, working on our love, being intentional with one another. Now this is an interesting chapter because the way my Bible lays out here, I can actually look at chapter 6 and on the other page I can look at chapter 4. And it's interesting to me because chapter 6 and chapter 4 have a lot of similarities. And I'm not going to go through all of them. But the man uses the same sorts of phrases in chapter 6 that he used in chapter 4. Now chapter 4 was a long time ago. It was when they were still younger and the passion probably burned a little bit brighter. And so what we see in chapter 4 are qualities and characteristics and praises based on the physical quality of this woman. So the man looks at this woman and he notices beautiful things about her. And so he uses now in both chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 6, he uses some of the same phrases. He says, you are beautiful, my darling. He says, your hair is like a flock of goats. Now remember, we talked about this in chapter 4. and We went into some detail of kind of what this means. And we said, that's not very flattering in today's culture. Right, ladies? However, for whatever reason, this lady liked it and appreciated it. And so kind of the the truth we drew from that was we don't necessarily need to use the same words, but we need to figure out the words in our context that makes our wife feel appreciated. Men, figure figure out what she likes to hear and say it to her. Right? He, he likes to tell her that she, she has hair like a flock of goats, okay? Her teeth are like sheep just washed. 
Temples are like pomegranates. There are interesting things here, right, that complements her beauty and the way she looks. Now, he, now, again, let's just track with me. This is important. He uses those phrases in chapter 4 earlier in their lives and again in chapter 6. So they're very similar. He's still very attracted to her. He still thinks she's beautiful. He still likes all these physical features about her. However, and this is important, in chapter 6... He adds words and phrases that are not found in chapter 4. So there's an interesting, why would he do that? If this is a parallel and he's trying to use the same sorts of phrases, why would he add new words? Well, the phrases and the words he adds in chapter 6 are words like this. She is majestic. That's a different sort of an idea than a physical attraction, right? She overwhelms him. She's unique. She's one of a kind. And so here's what we see. He he takes this idea of chapter 4 and the physicalness, the love, and the passion that he still has. And he adds to it words of depth that speak to this idea that their love has grown beyond this idea of a physical attraction to this idea of a deep, uh, uh, based on character, based on inner beauty, based on inner strength relationship. So, so let, me, let me just kind of give you a, a clue, those of you that are, that are newly married or, or maybe struggling with marriage. Character qualities, inner beauty, inner strength, these are the things that sustain a good marriage. Did you know that? Long term. Beauty is important. Right? We, we want to be attracted, and we are, and we, we understand all that. But if your marriage is simply based on the physical and the superficial and the shallow sorts of things of life, and they're not really based on the character issues, not really based on a, a deep and abiding trust in the Lord, not really based on, on inner beauty and inner strength, if you're not basing your marriage on those types of qualities, your marriage is going to be in trouble. And so we need to kind of, let's flip the coin just for a second. Let's apply this to our lives. If we understand biblically and really practically that good marriages are based on more than just superficial things, such as character issues, if we understand that good marriages are based on character issues, if we want our marriage to last, we ought to start by looking in the mirror, shouldn't we? What can I do as a husband to be a better husband to my wife? What can I do to be a better dad? What can I do to be a better leader? See, we we so often flip that, don't we? We say, you know what, I wish my wife would do X, Y, and Z. Or ladies, we say, I wish our husbands would do A, B, and C. I would say to you that scripturally, if we really want to understand how a marriage lasts and strength found within marriage, we need to begin with our own character and our own walk with the Lord, deepen those things, and then allow the Lord to work through us to enact change within our marriage, not the other way around. The the more you gripe and complain to your spouse about the things you want them to change, probably the less desire they have to change. This man didn't say to her, I cannot believe you don't put the tube on the top of the toothpaste. Can't believe that. After all these years, you know that gets on my nerves, and yet you're still not doing it. He says to her instead, you're beautiful, and I love you, and you're unique to me, and I want to continue to be with you. It's very interesting to me as we do these videos and we get a chance to talk to these couples. I I think one of the things we're going to do, and we'll... 
have to see how this plays out, but I'm going to give you, I, need, I should have done this this week, but I'm going to give you next week the link. We have a Vimeo site, if you're, if you're familiar with that website, vimeo.com. You can search Rosemont, I'm going to give you the link next week, but all these videos are all there to give if you want to rewatch all of them. But I think it'd be cool at some point uh, to maybe put the whole interview up. I and mean, we spent probably 30 or 40 minutes with each one of these couples. You get about two minutes of it. But one of the neat things we see when we talk to these couples, we kind of hear this over and over again, they, they make some sort of a comment like this. When we were first married, we didn't really understand love. We, we kind of thought we understood it. And I guess in some sense, we, you know, obviously they were in love, but, but the point they're making is, is the years pass and the decades pass, their love deepens and grows to the point that's so strong and so deep. They look back when they were first married, it doesn't even seem like they were in love. Doesn't that seem crazy? You say, how is it possible to have a marriage that the love in the marriage grows so much and becomes so strong that after we've been married 30 years, we look back when we were first married and we kind of laugh because we just thought we were in love. And now we really understand what love is. You say, that's the kind of marriage I want. How, how do I get to that place? Well, there, there's lots of things we could talk about. We could talk about communication, which we've done. We could talk about trust. We could talk about character issues. And, and all those things are important. And the, all those things are things you should deal with. But one of the interesting things I see when I, when I understand this text and I understand the lives of the people in these videos, some of the elderly, elderly couples we've talked to, one of the things we see that's very important, maybe the most important, is that these couples who have a long-lasting, successful marriage very simply say, we made this decision years ago we made this promise to each other. We made this covenant between ourselves and the Lord and all the people at our wedding. We just said we were going to stick together no matter what. And guess what? We just did it. Period. So here, here's what you need to understand about marriage. Marriage is not always about happiness. Did you know that? Because if you've been married more than probably six months... You understand there are days you're not going to be happy. Did you know that? There's just days you're not going to be happy. Did you know marriage is not really always about fulfillment? Because there are going to be days you do not feel fulfilled. Did you know there, marriage is, is not always about getting what you want? Because there are going to be days when, guess what, you don't get what you want. You know what marriage is about, right? If you had to kind of summarize marriage, and this is, this is kind of simplifying things, but marriage, really in its simplest form, is about commitment. I said to you, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it. Realizing that we're going to have problems, realizing we're going to have struggles, realizing there are going to be days we don't like each other, realizing we're probably going to argue and we're not going to disagree, and realizing there are going to be highs and lows and peaks and valleys, and realizing, now just stay with me, realizing there are probably times in our marriage when we're going to have to fall in love again. But I very simply made this commitment to you in richness and in poorness. You remember the words? In sickness and in health, in good times and in bad times. Why, why do we need a covenant in marriage? Why do we need, need to make a promise? Because the Lord knows full well that if we base it on emotions, none of them would ever last. So this couple just says, you know what, we're just going to stick together. We know it's not always going to be easy. We know it's not always going to go the way we want it to go. 
We realize that we're probably going to be hurt at some point. We realize that our spouse at some point, probably multiple times, is going to let us down. We realize all these things, but we're going to work together to deepen our love. We're going to be intentional to our commitment. We're going to figure it out together. And as we do that, our love is going to grow to a depth we never thought possible. That's the hope in marriage. Now let's continue verse 11. So I went down to the grove of nut trees to look around at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I realized that my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. Now the friends talk again. Come back. Oh, come back, O oh Shulamite. This is the woman. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. Now he speaks. Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mahanam? How beautiful, now he's speaking again to his wife, your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel, that's it's going to get very physical here and very intimate. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. The eyes are the pools of Hezbon by the gate of Bath Robin. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. Now let's stop. There's a lot of imagery there. There's a lot of intimacy there. There's a lot of things going on, but I want to summarize it with truth number two. If you want to make your marriage last, number two, continue to praise and compliment one another. Continue to praise and compliment one another. One of the things we've seen in this book Over and over and over again, almost every single chapter, sometimes multiple times in the same chapter, is this idea that this husband and this wife are not only passionately in love, are not only intentional about growing their love deeper, but are spending great amounts of time praising and complimenting one another. And we've said this several different times, but I just want to remind you, there is no limit... To the amount of good things you can say about your spouse. There's no limit to the amount of good things you can say about your spouse. Now I want to pull a couple of things out from these verses. Because I think it's very interesting. How this man speaks to this woman. And the things that he says to her. Because he uses some imagery that I want you to understand. Again we're, we're, we're building kind of this case. That they've complimented, they've loved each other, but it's in this process of deepening their love and deepening their understanding and seeing and loving the character and the inner strength of one another. And so the words and the images that he uses there in the first part of chapter 7 help us better understand this. Look at verse 4 with me again. Pull that up if you would, please. 
Chapter 7, verse 4, he speaks of her neck. Your neck is like an ivory tower, right? It's strong, it's sturdy, you're tall, you're proud. He speaks of her eyes as these pools of Heshbon by this gate. And this city, if you kind of do the study and do the research, is a Levitical city. That means that's where the priests lived. And the pools in the cities where these priests lived would have been used for ceremonial cleaning, So before these priests would have gone into their worship service, they would have gotten down into this pool. They would have bathed themselves, kind of the ceremony cleaning. They would have cleansed themselves of all the dirt and all the things they'd been through that day. And that would have given them the ability then to lead this worship. And so he looks into her eyes and he says, your eyes remind me of these pools. And if you think about the imagery and what she would have understood, these pools of cleanliness, of beauty, of holiness. Now I'm reminded of Proverbs 31 as he's speaking about this woman and some of you will be very familiar with this passage of scripture. It's kind of the the noble wife. Proverbs 31 beginning verse 10, a wife of noble noble character who can find. And by the way, men, and let me speak from experience. It's like the longer you're married to a godly wife, the more you appreciate that about her. Because a woman of good character who can find. She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then beginning in verse 13, there's this long list of things that she does for her family. Then verse 28 kind of summarizes, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her, verse 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all, and then here's kind of the the foundation, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Ladies, this is kind of the model you should live your life by. Charm can be deceptive, beauty will be fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Ladies, you should strive to be that woman. When your husband looks into your eyes, you should remind him of everything that's holy and everything that's pure and everything that's good. This is the woman that he sees. And then he speaks of her nose. And again, let's let's just remind each other, these are not compliments we would necessarily use. But he speaks of her nose as a tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. And we're like, you know, what does that even mean? Well, let's understand the context. This is important. Damascus was the seat of power for the Assyrians. They would have been an enemy of the Israelites. And so her nose...